Chapter 19, verses 1 to 7. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Thanks, Sally. So, we believe in God the Father, we believe in Jesus Christ, his Son, we believe in the Holy Spirit. Um, when we first got married, we uh, were inherited a, a table, it was like a card table, for playing cards at but it was and it came with four chairs it was round but we used it as a dining room table uh, when we had kids it became a bit too small um, and I, um, but when we first were married it was really nice and we invite people over and I uh, might invite two friends over and we could squeeze kind of five of us around this table now I want you just to imagine as newlyweds we invite people over we invite three friends over imagine what it would be like if we just completely ignored one of our friends. Talk to two of them, but the other one, you know, Tom, Dick and Harry, let's say. Tom and Dick we talk to, but Harry we just completely ignore him. Don't even look him in the eye, don't even acknowledge that he's there. Well, I want to contend that quite often in the church, that's how we treat the Holy Spirit. We acknowledge God the Father. Yes, I believe in Jesus Christ, his son, but the Holy Spirit, you know, I'm not so sure. <laughs> I'm a bit confused about the Holy Spirit. As Tanya said earlier, he is a person. And yet, many Christians, actually, if you get past what we might say with our mouths when we say a creed, when it comes to our heart, what do we really believe about the Holy Spirit? Now, the Bible itself uses symbols to describe the Holy Spirit, such as wind, as fire, oil, water. We, in fact, we looked at some of these earlier in the year. And so, the Bible itself can lead us to a place where we just think of the Holy Spirit as a force, if you like. <laughs> but that's not the whole story. We've got to get beyond that. And recognize that what the scriptures also say, where they ultimately lead us, is to a place of recognizing that the Holy Spirit is a person. And as Tanya was saying, he, he's a person who has feelings. Two weeks ago we looked at a passage in Isaiah which talked about God as Father. One of the few passages in the Old Testament that talks about God as Father. It also talks there about the Holy Spirit. 
and how he can be grieved. Paul then also in the New Testament refers to, says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. We can't grieve a force. You can't grieve the wind. You can't grieve electricity. (laughs) But you can grieve a person. I wonder, when your friends come round, Tom, Dick and Harry, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, do we acknowledge them all? What do you really believe about the Holy Spirit? Is he really God? When that creed came out in the 4th century, it came out as a response to people who were saying that they just thought that the Holy Spirit was a force. There was a guy called Arius, and there was the Arians, and they believed this. The Jehovah's Witnesses are like that today. They don't actually believe that the Holy Spirit is truly God. Now, all Orthodox Christians, all mainstream Christianity says no. The Holy Spirit is God. In fact, that creed that we just recited was written to clarify. He is God. The Lord. The giver of life. You wouldn't be sitting here today were it not for the Holy Spirit. Even the breath in your lungs is ultimately from the Spirit. We're told in the Old Testament, right at the beginning, first chapter of Genesis, the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the face of the waters, giving life. He's the Lord, the the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son with the Father and the Son. He is worshipped. He is glorified. What do you think about the Holy Spirit? Do you really believe in the Holy Spirit? Paul met these guys in Ephesus. He, he was traveling around. The Acts of the Apostles charts the story of the early church and how people like Paul and Apollos, who's mentioned here, would travel around and share the gospel and plant churches. Paul arrives in this city, Ephesus, and he finds some disciples. They were followers of what they called in those days the way. They were believers. And he asked them, I don't know why he asked this question, maybe, you know, talking to them, he just thought, I'll ask them this question, I don't know, we don't know. But he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now notice, they had believed when you believed. They were believers. But he asked, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Now notice there, he doesn't say, did you get lots of teaching about the Holy Spirit? Did did someone explain to you a big you know, doctrine of the Holy Spirit. No, he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Now, Paul was not against teaching. In Ephesus, from then on, he would go on teaching. In fact, the verses right after the passage we just read says that he went in the synagogue, he spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. And then some of them rejected him, so then he goes to the lecture hall and for two years preaches and teaches about God and his Messiah. So Paul was not against preaching and teaching. He was not against explaining the scriptures. But right here he doesn't say, have you understood, have you received the theology of the Holy Spirit? He says, have you received the Holy Spirit? So I could tell you about my wife. Oh yeah. yeah. (laughs) I could tell you all about it. I could say, you know, she's like this. Well, you know what she looks like, but... I could explain her life story. I could tell you all about her. But what I really want you to do is to meet her. And then you can experience her company for yourself. 
That's what Paul wants for these disciples. He wants them to meet the Holy Spirit. To receive the Holy Spirit. Not just find out about him, but to encounter him. To have an experience of the Holy Spirit. There's an immense theologian, a guy called Gordon Fee. He's written some wonderful books. And one of the main things he says is, what's often lacking in the church today is an experience of the Holy Spirit. How's your experience of the Holy Spirit? They say, we've never even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. Now, I find that hard to believe, actually. (laughs) Because there were believers, probably they were Jewish, so of course they'd have heard about the Spirit of God. The Old Testament talks a lot about the Spirit of God. In Isaiah 63 and Psalm 51 talks specifically about the Holy Spirit, but on top of that, many times talking about the Spirit of God. So they would have heard about the Spirit. I'm sure. Maybe. Maybe not. They say they haven't. Maybe what they're saying there is we didn't even know that he was freely available. We didn't even know that the Spirit could be accessed. Possibly what the truth was was that they'd missed Pentecost. Pentecost had happened some years earlier and at Pentecost the Spirit had been poured out on all believers. And that was a a no turning back moment. From then on the Holy Spirit available to all believers. And they just not even heard about that. That had passed them by. And then Paul says, well what baptism did you receive? Well we received the baptism of John. Now again, John would talk about the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm baptizing you with water. One one is coming after me. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So we don't know exactly the situation, but they clearly had not encountered or received the Holy Spirit. Paul says John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. It was a preparation. It was a clearing of the decks to get yourself ready for the one who was to come, and that is Jesus. So then he says you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. We'll talk about baptism next week. And then Paul placed his hands on them, laid hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them. The laying on of hands, it's a biblical thing. Paul talks about it elsewhere as well. Book of Hebrews talks about it. Laying on of hands, it's like a transference. It's, a, it's an impartation of something that the person doing it has and gives to the, to the other person. A sharing, if you like. Paul places hands on them. The Holy Spirit comes on them. And then what happens? They display spiritual gifts. They speak in tongues and they prophesy. Now, the speaking in tongues... On the day of Pentecost, it was about speaking in other languages. They didn't understand the language themselves, but as they spoke, others heard them in different languages. And that still happens today, believe it or not. There's also the angelic languages Paul also talks about. Now, whether they were doing one or the other, I don't know. But they were speaking in tongues. And they were prophesying. They received spiritual gifts right there and then. And we're told it was just about... Twelve of them. Paul's concern there is that they encounter the Holy Spirit. And I want to ask you today, do you want to encounter the Holy Spirit? Imagine your three friends around the table. 
You might be saying to me, well, I don't know. Have I encountered the Holy Spirit? I don't know. Just imagine, you're sat there. You're looking across the table. And you see Jesus. And you're listening to his every word. And you're thinking, I love Jesus. I know Jesus. Well, what's happening is the Holy Spirit is sitting right next to you. And his nose is not put out of joint that you're not looking at him, actually. He's not jealous. <laughs> He's saying, yes, I love Jesus too. And I want you to know him better. As you get to know the Father, the God is your Father. The Holy Spirit is right there next to you and saying, absolutely. He's not saying, look at me. He's actually saying, I really want you to know the Father. And yet, it's good that we acknowledge that he's there. Right? I'm going to share with you four experiences of the Holy Spirit that I've had. And I'm not sharing this because I want you to think I'm anything special. I'm sharing this because you know I'm nothing special. Right? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know I'm nothing special. I'm just like you, right? We're all in this together. And I want to share these experiences because I know that if it can happen to me, it can happen to you. When I was 20, I was in London. I was on my journey to becoming a Christian. I was trying to read the Bible. I was trying to be a good person. I was started attending different churches. One night, I'd received, seen the flyer on the tube or my friends had and went along to this meeting. It was a Friday night. It was the night before the Oxford English, uh, Oxford English, Oxford Cambridge boat race. Uh, I remember it like that. And uh, went along to this meeting on my own. Lots of worship, lots of singing songs. If you ever think we repeat the words enough, you haven't seen anything um, too much. This was like over and over again. And then the preacher went on and on and on. And then he went around praying for everyone. And he, as he prayed, he laid hands on, just like Paul. He laid hands on the whole congregation, went around, touched people on the head. And he prayed the same prayer for everybody. Didn't stay with them. May you be filled with the Holy Spirit. I went, boom, fell on the floor. Never experienced anything like that before. Never seen anything like that before. And that night, I knew, I knew that there was a God who loved me, who knew everything about me, and yet still loved me. I went home for the spring in my step, told my housemates we went back the next night for more. I then struggled to understand and believe that Jesus was really the Son of God. But that night I encountered God. Now I then went to a church in central London, All Souls Lang, a place where that kind of conversion story didn't quite fit the mold. You're supposed to pray the sinner's prayer, <laughs> confess that Jesus is Lord, and get it all in the right order. I got it in the wrong order. I encountered God first, and then it took a while for my theology to catch up and understand that actually this is, this is Jesus at work. I want to say one size does not fit all. We're all different. And don't let anyone judge you. Because you encounter God in a certain way and not in another, whatever. 
Second experience. I then went to that church. All Souls Langer Place. Wonderful church. But not the kind of place where you fall over. In fact, that kind of thing is positively discouraged there. But the Bible teaching in that place was incredible. I remember one night, sitting in the congregation, listening to the rector, Richard Buse, wonderful man of God, preach from the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. And my heart was on fire as I listened to him explain the words of Daniel. My eyes were opened up. And that would happen many times. Do you know, it happens to the disciples on the way to Emmaus. Jesus, they didn't realize it's Jesus. He's risen from the dead. He comes alongside them. And, and, and they re, re, afterwards they realize, they say, weren't our hearts burning as he opened up the scriptures to us? What's that? That's an experience of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit will lead you into truth. The Spirit will speak through the word. The creed says he has spoken through the prophets. He has spoken through Daniel. The scriptures are God-breathed. They are Spirit's words. So that was an encounter with the Holy Spirit. I didn't know it was. Didn't use that kind of language, but that was an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Third one, four, four years ago, quickly. Just down the road from here, or down the A21 and a bit, off a bit, Penhurst Retreat Center, near Battle. I went there for a six-day silent retreat. Now, for some people, that would be bliss. For others, that would be a nightmare. <laughs> but I went for a silent retreat. And in that place, I encountered God in a very deep way. He just met me as I went for walks, as I meditated. And you know, much of the church is blessed with that idea of contemplation. We sang that song, didn't we? Be still. What was happening? The Holy Spirit was ministering to me in the quiet, in the stillness in contemplation. Fourth experience. Two years ago, I was in Brazil. I've shared this before. I was in a hotel room, conference room with others. Very simple prayer meeting. No PA system, nothing fancy. Just an acoustic guitar. We sang a few songs and prayed. And this, the air conditioning was on. It was Brazil. It was hot, but the air conditioning was on. I started to get really hot as we were worshipping. And I started to sweat. And then I started to shake, almost uncontrollably. Daph says she was shaking. I was shaking like ridiculous. But I didn't fall over. I was just shaking. Um, and then I was getting so hot out, the sweat was pouring off me. They were plastic chairs and they moved them away apparently because I was getting the chairs wet. <laughs> ridiculous. What was happening? I was encountering the power of God. The power of the Holy Spirit in that place. I'm going to share one thing. There was a lady who came and prayed with me for quite a long time. And she was insistent that she wanted me to fall over. And she said, no, you need to fall over. You need to fall over. In the end, I said, bless you. But go away. Or something. I'm fine. Don't worry. I don't need to fall over. It was fine. We talked afterwards. She actually apologized. <clears throat> that was an encounter with the Holy Spirit. I share these because God it meets us in different ways, at different times, 
Don't put him in a box. Don't limit the Holy Spirit, though. There's two temptations. Sometimes we might think we need to G things up and be God's cheerleader. You know, let's hype stuff up as if something's happening and it's not. The lady in Brazil, she was trying to do God's job for him, right? <laughs> we don't need to do God's job for him. He knows what he's doing. The Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. But similarly, it's very tempting, and I think this is probably more the case for us in our reserved British culture, it's more tempting to put a lid, to think we're the Holy Spirit's manager, to say, come in, sit down, just keep yourself quiet, please. <laughs> Behave, and we'll let you have your moment, but then you've got to sit back down again. That's not God. God's in charge. He's the Lord, the giver of life. With the Father and the Son, He is worshipped and glorified. He proceeds from the Father and the Son. Are you hungry for the Holy Spirit? Now, we, ne we get nervous talking about experiences, and I don't want the focus to be on the experiences. You know, the, the focus has to be on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Him. But similarly, don't stop an experience in its tracks. Because you, you can. God's not going to force you into anything. But wherever God leads you and however God wants to work, he's looking for people who are surrendered and will say, yes, Lord, I want whatever you've got. Now, what do you think I looked like when sweat was pouring off me and I'm shaking like a numpty in that room in, hotel room in Brazil? I looked like a right fool. We're all fools. Whose fool are you? God is looking for people who are willing to be fools for Christ. What's more important to you? Your dignity, your reputation, or your knowledge of the Holy One? What's more important? God is looking people for people who are hungry. He won't force you. You know, Jesus says, if anyone is hungry, you know, let them come to me and eat. I am the bread of life. If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. And he also says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? We've got to ask. So will you ask, do you want to ask, are you hungry? I want to suggest that God has more in store. You might have had an experience of the Holy Spirit before. Don't worry about that. Today's a new day. There is more. And I believe that to be totally biblical. God has more in store. Sometimes we get tied up with the theology, the the baptism, the baptism, you know, and I think these disciples in Ephesus, that was right for them at that time. For others, different experiences. And that's fine. God knows what he's doing. One final question. Do you trust the Holy Spirit?
Do you know, if he is just a force, then you'd be right not to trust him. Now, I don't trust electricity. Um, I trust an electrician who knows what they're doing, who's fully qualified. Because they know how to manage electricity. They'll come and do the right tests and they make sure it's all safe. But I don't trust electricity because it could kill you. I trust the person who's the electrician. Holy Spirit is a person. So, I'm going to pray for us now. And I'd love us just to take some time right now to encounter the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a wonderful church. And we are a Baptist church. And we have many, many strengths. But sometimes we're not that great at slowing down at being with God. I know I'm not. We're active. And I also recognize that this is Sunday morning. And you might have plans for lunch and you just, you know. So... I'm realistic. But I also think, what's more important? God is calling us into his presence right as we are right now. So I'd like to um, invite you to stand if you'd like to. Uh, if you're able, you're very welcome to stand. I want us to encounter God now. Because he is here. He is here. So what's, I think, what we're going to do? Um, I'll tell you what I find helpful. And if this is helpful for you, great. If you've got some other thing that you find helpful, then let me tell you. I find it helpful to close my eyes. Because otherwise I get distracted by other people. Um, I find it helpful to close my eyes. I'm going to keep my eyes open because I want to look after you. Yeah, but feel free to close your eyes and just take some time in God's presence. I find it helpful to hold out my hands. You might not, I do. It's a way of saying I'm ready to receive. Here's what I think you must do. Just focus your eyes on Jesus. Don't worry about your neighbour, the person sitting next to you. Don't get distracted. Don't judge anyone else. Don't judge yourself. And I've got no expectations that a certain thing will happen. But if we pray together right now, I want to give the Holy Spirit free rent. I want him to take over right now. So, nobody stood. I'm just going to give the opportunity to stand, if you want to. Um, <clears throat> you can stay seated, whatever. So, okay. So I invite you to close your eyes. I'm just going to say, come Holy Spirit. Have your way in this time. You are the Lord. You are the giver of life. You might want to repeat a phrase. I find it helpful just to say Jesus. Just to say the name of Jesus. Those of you who have the gift of tongues, you might want to quietly pray in tongues.
Now, does anybody want the gift of tongues and doesn't have it? If you do, be bold. Raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you right now. Just pray for those with their hands raised. Holy Spirit, would you come on them? The word says, open my lips now, I will give you praise. May you be anointed with the gift of tongues to praise him in the language of he heaven. Open your mouth. Might feel like a wally. Just pray. <laughs> Just say, come Holy Spirit. Lord, have your way. You can trust the Holy Spirit. 